order. Questions to the Prime Minister. Dr Brian Eden. Mr Speaker, I am sure that the whole House uh, will wish to join me in paying tribute to Private Sean Macdonald and Corporal Jonathan Moore from 1st Battalion, the Royal Regiment of Scotland, attached to 3rd Battalion, the Rifles, and to Warrant Officer Class 2, David Markland, from 3-6 Engineer Regiment, Royal Engineers. These were men of great character and commitment, whose loss is already keenly felt by their colleagues. I want to pay tribute on behalf of the whole House to their courage and to their dedication. We think of their families and friends, and their sacrifice will not be forgotten. Mr Speaker, this morning I am meeting with ministerial colleagues and friends. In addition, to my, uh, in, in addition to my duties in the House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Dr Brian Eden. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I am sure that the whole House is at one with the Prime Minister in sending our sincere condolences to the relatives and friends of the brave servicemen who have lost their lives in serving this country. Mr Speaker, I am astonished Uh, at the orchestrated campaign that seems to have been mounted in some newspapers this morning and supported by Tory councillors and Bupa in opposing our social care plans, especially since the party opposite did not oppose those plans when they were in front of the House. Therefore, will my right honourable friend commit himself this morning to continuing the fight to improve the lot of some of our most vulnerable citizens, the poor Mr Speaker, I am and the Government is passionately committed to finding a better way, a better way of dealing, a better way of ensuring security and dignity for the elderly in our generation in retirement. And I, I want to say also that that means not just providing institutional care of the highest standard, but it also means helping people stay as long as possible with as good amenities as possible in their own homes. And I hope there will be all-party support uh, for the bill that is going through the House of Lords now and has been through the House of Commons that means that we can meet the urgent need payments of everybody, whatever their income, who needs care in their home at the very highest level. It will take time to develop a full social care system for the future, but it is in our interest to find a consensus in this country about the way that we can move forward to a better system for every elderly person. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Can I join the Prime Minister in paying tribute to Corporal John Moore, to Private Sean MacDonald and Warrant Officer David Markland, who have been killed in Afghanistan this week. Their deaths now mean that more people have died in this conflict than were killed in the Falklands War, and it is a measure of the scale of sacrifice being made. Our armed forces need to know that they have all our support in the vital work that they are doing. Can I return to the question raised by the Honourable Member for Bolton South East? This morning, local councils, controlled by all parties, have said the Prime Minister's plans on social care, and let me quote, are unclear, unfunded, will lead to possible cuts, rises in council tax, they have major weaknesses, and crucially will raise false expectations amongst many of the most vulnerable. Now, everybody wants to do more to help with care. But why does the Prime Minister think why does the Prime Minister think that so many of the people responsible for delivering this policy are so completely unconvinced by what he's put forward? Mr Speaker, his party supported this bill as it went through the House of Commons. I, I, I don't know if he's done another U-turn in policy over the last few hours. But, 
but Mr Speaker, we have, we have set aside £670 million in the next year. £420 million will come from the health service to providing that care for urgent needs. Now, I, I know how much he likes personalising politics. And I, I know, I, I know, I, I know, I know, I, I know, of course I know how he hates, I know how he hates punch and judy politics. And I know how much he wanted to build a consensus, as we had for a week on the economy. But surely it is in the interest of this House that we are united in the way we help all people in their own homes. And surely a party that supported the policy one week shouldn't be opposing it the next week. If he's going to have pre-prepared jokes, I think they ought to be a bit better than that one. Probably not enough bananas on the menu. <laughs> we have consistently raised questions about the funding of this policy. And just this morning, a Freedom of Information request from the Treasury shows this could put £26 on the council tax. And I have to say to the Prime Minister, it's not just Labour councillors who are angry about the way the policy has been put forward, but Labour peers as well. Lord Lipsy, he was a member of the government's own Commission on Care, and he says this is one of the most disorderly pieces of government I have ever seen. Lord Warner, who is the government's own health minister, described the policy as a cruel deception to the elderly, the vulnerable and families. So can the Prime Minister explain why is it that Labour councillors, Labour advisers, Labour ministers are all angry about the Prime Minister's mishandling of this? Mr Speaker, when he knew what Lord Warner and others had said about it, why does his party support it in the House of Commons? He cannot one day say he supports a policy and the next day have a completely different policy on a very important matter. What, what? Mr Speaker. Order, I apologise for interrupting the Prime Minister. There is far too much noise in the chamber. I want questions and answers to be brief and focused on government policy, and I want to get down the order paper. Let's have a bit of order for the Prime Minister and others. Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, we've had U-turns every month, from every day of the month from the Conservative Party. They said it was moral cowardice not to cut and tear up our budget for 2010, and then they changed their mind and take a different position. Now, on this, are they really going to say to the elderly of this country that they voted for this measure in the House of Commons, they've urged their people in the House of Lords to vote for it as well, and now they're refusing to support what we are doing to give local authorities and the elderly an extra £670 million a year. Now, as I, as I understand it, as I understand it, the Shadow Health Secretary asked for talks with the Health Minister so that there could be consensus on this issue. It's only last night that they've broken the consensus. And Mr. And, and Mr. Mr. Speaker, they, they, had to, they had to bring down a poster that they had at the beginning of the year because it was not authentic. They will have to bring down the new poster because it's simply wrong. What we want to know is where is the money coming from? People, people who work very close with the Prime Minister are completely opposed to the way this is being done. Let's try Andrew Turnbull. He was Cabinet Secretary. He was Permanent Secretary for four years. The Prime Minister waves him away. He probably knows this Prime Minister better than anyone. He says this, it is doubly objectionable, it is objectionable in process, and it's objectionable in substance. It is, and he says, a classic Gordon Brown dividing line. Politically expedient, poorly costed, badly constructed. Why does he think Lord Turnbull's got it wrong? Mr. Speaker, why, why doesn't he address the policy issue that he refuses to? We, we have provided, 
We have provided £420 million for the, from the NHS for social care for urgent needs. We are providing £250 million from local authorities for efficiency savings. If he now agrees with the local authorities and thinks that is impossible, why is his policy to freeze the poll tax by demanding hundreds of millions of more savings from local authorities? Nothing he says adds up. Nothing is consistent. He changes his policy almost every hour. The fact is... It is Labour councils telling the Prime Minister his own policy doesn't add up. It's perfectly clear what the Prime Minister is doing. He wants to tell us about the benefits of the policy before the election and tell us about the costs after the election. This isn't about the benefit of the elderly, it's about the benefit of the Labour Party. Now, he wants to ask, he wants to, to concentrate on the detail. Let me ask about the details of his social care plans. Can he say whether he is ruling out all forms of a compulsory levy, whether means tested or not, that elderly people would have to pay? Is he ruling that out? He should read the white paper that we put forward when it sets out all the various options before us. Mr Speaker, they can make all the noise they want. They can put up all the posters. They have absolutely no policy to deal with the problems. They have no substance. They have no judgment. They can hurl in, in, insults. They are not the new politics. They're the same old Tories. I've got the paper right here. One of the options is a £20,000 levy on every single elderly person in this country except the very poorest. That is what it says. So let me ask him again. Will he rule out any form of compulsory levy on the elderly? Yes or no? If he reads the white paper, he has not... He has, Mr Speaker, he, he, has, he has not reported it correctly and he should read the whole chapter so that he sees what it is. Mr Speaker, once again, what positive policy has come from the Conservative Party? He has been four years leader of the Conservative Party. He's put up lots of posters, he's got lots of sound bites. There is absolutely no policy come, coming from... Mr Speaker, when you're dealing with social policy... and the oh, oh, Order, I apologise for interrupting. There is too much noise. The decibel level is too high. It must go down, and it must go down now. Prime Minister. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, when you're dealing with social policy, you seek consensus in this country, and where you can find, and where you can find consensus, you find it. The Conservatives have de deliberately broken the consensus that existed, even after they voted for the bill in the House of Commons. The Prime Minister keeps saying, read the white paper. In fact, actually, it's a green paper, and I've got it here. And this is what it says. People, it says this. He wants a question about the detail. People might need to pay around seventeen to £20,000 to be protected under a scheme of this sort. Let me ask him one final time. Are these sorts of levies ruled in or ruled out? He says he wants a consensus. The fact is, there is a consensus. Labour advisers, Labour ministers, Labour councils all think he's doing this for cheap dividing lines before an election. One last go. Are you going to do a levy, rule it in or rule it out? Honourable and right honourable members on both sides are far too excited and they must simmer down. Prime Minister. 
Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, the wall of noise will not disguise the fact that the Conservative Party have absolutely no policy on an issue that is vital to the needs of elderly for the future. Mr Speaker, this is a big challenge that this country faces. The demographic changes that are taking place, the needs and ambitions of old people, and I have got to conclude in dealing with big areas of policy. I have to say, Mr Speaker, this is no time for a novice. Thank you, thank you, Mr. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, will the Prime Minister congratulate the organisers of Shozam, Blackpool's new festival of circus, magic and variety, in our Winter Gardens and Tower? But doesn't this Government's funding for Blackpool's regeneration, our new seafront, trams and headlands underline, alongside the Sea Changes initiative, his support and strength for the regeneration of all our seaside towns. Mr Speaker, I applaud the way he has promoted the development of Blackpool and all the seaside towns. And the Sea Change programme has benefited 32 seaside resorts, 38 million in extra funding since April. Money that would not be available if there was ever a Conservative government. And regional development agencies are helping coastal towns fulfil their economic potential. Again, regional development agencies that would be abolished under a Conservative government. So we will do more to help the coastal towns and employment in the coastal towns. That cannot be said of the Conservative Party opposite. Mr Nick Clegg. I would like to add my own expressions of sympathy and condolence to the, to the family and friends of Warrant Officer Class 2 David Markland from 3-6 Engineer Regiment, Corporal John Moore and Private Sean MacDonald from the Royal Scots Borderers 1st Battalion, the Royal Regiment of Scotland, who all tragically lost their lives serving so bravely in Afghanistan this week. Uh, Mr Speaker, reports that wounded soldiers will receive better compensation is a glimmer of good news on the day that we hear that injured veterans are having to pay for their own treatment abroad. But can I ask the Prime Minister about another hidden scandal that's uh, facing our troops? Why are soldiers serving on the front line in Afghanistan receiving thousands of pounds less in basic pay than a new recruit to the police or fire service? Mr Speaker, uh, first first of all, I have to assure him that the new uh, recommendations on the compensation scheme that have been prepared by Lloyd Boyce uh, and uh, welcomed, uh, I I believe, uh, as a review by the British Legion, are ones that will extend uh, compensation in a number of areas where there has been controversy in the past and we want to do the best we can by those uh, soldiers who are wounded. And the Secretary for Defence will announce uh, later this afternoon how the Armed Forces Compensation Scheme will be improved and in what areas, and how it would do more, particularly uh, for uh, award levels uh, below the current high of uh, 570000 and it will introduce a faster interim payment. I have to say, as far as the pay of the troops is concerned, we have been determined to raise the pay of our forces at a higher rate uh, than the other public services. I, I can tell them that uh, for the lowest uh, paid uh, troops, there was a 9% rise uh, a year ago. I can also tell them that there is a theatre allowance and there is the, the withdrawal of uh, any requirement to pay council tax while they are in Afghanistan. And we're doing everything we can to ensure our troops are not only well paid, 
but they are properly equipped for the challenges ahead. Mr Nick Clegg. Mr Speaker, thousands of, of servicemen and women are about to put their lives on the line in the biggest offensive yet in Afghanistan. Uh, they've been stretched to the limit by a government that's got its priorities wrong. Employing, employing 800 people to do media and communications for the MOD, but not giving our brave young soldiers a decent living wage. Isn't it time to get his priorities right? Cut the bureaucrats and pay our soldiers what they deserve. Yeah. Mr Speaker, we have always accepted the recommendations of the Armed Forces Pay Review Body, which is set up on an independent basis to take information and to take evidence and then recommend to the Government. Uh, and I hope he will agree that when he looks at it, we have accepted recommendations that in the last few years have been for higher pay rises and elsewhere. I would also remind him that 70,000 uh, civilian staff uh, have uh, gone from the Ministry of Defence as we have made the focus of our efforts our frontline services. And there will be more civilian redundancies as we use new technology to make available the back office services that enable the front line to have the best equipment. He cannot deny the fact that £14 billion in urgent operational requirements and additional money on top of the defence budget have gone to our troops, particularly for Iraq and Afghanistan. And I think uh, it, is, uh, it is really uh, not fair to tell our troops that they do not have the equipment that is needed when we've done everything in our power. I asked the Chief of the General Staff uh, yesterday if I asked the Chief of the Defence Staff yesterday if the proper equipment was available for any exercises we had to undertake, and he said he had checked with those people on the ground, and that was exactly the case. Dr Stephen Lederman. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Uh, Specialist nurses are going to be vital if we're going to meet the Prime Minister's commitment to uh, one-to-one care for cancer patients, as well as helping people with Alzheimer's and Parkinson's to stay in their own home. But we know from the early 90s that when governments decide to squeeze NHS budgets, specialist nurses often can't get a look in. Will the Prime Minister guarantee that under his government, specialist nursing will get the resources that it needs to deliver the standards of health care at home that we on this side of the House want to see? Uh, Mr Speaker, we are trying to transform uh, cancer care in our country. Fifteen billion is being invested in research over the next ten years, much of it in cancer. The cancer guarantee is that people can see a specialist within two weeks. We hope that this will be within one week so that people can have the diagnostic test sometimes on the same day and get the results on the same day. And we want to introduce a service where there is personalised care available for those suffering from cancer so that they can also be visited at home. Now, this is the way the modern health service is going to develop. Personalised services, available people to people, tailored to their needs. Uh, With the reforms that we have made, it is now possible to do so. I cannot for the life of me believe why the Conservative Party are rejecting rejecting the cancer guarantee that would allow people to see a specialist within two weeks. I I believe it challenges their very commitment to the health service. Mr Speaker, Britain wisely stayed out of the euro. There is now a strong possibility that Greece will default on her debts, something that is not our immediate problem. Can the Prime Minister confirm that at a time when our national debt is rising fast, there is no question UK taxpayers' money will be used to bail out Greece 
under any circumstances in any way. Mr Speaker, uh, Greece uh, should stick by the commitments that is made to the European Union and to the world. As you know, at the G20 conference uh, in uh, London in April, we put in place arrangements that could help countries if they were in difficulty. These arrangements are still in place and have been used by some countries. It's up to the euro area to decide what they wish to do in relation to euro area countries, uh, but there is international support available if Greece wishes it. Karen Buck. Mr Speaker, high visibility police patrols are the public's number one priority for reassurance and crime prevention. Does he share my concern that the rise of 6,500 police in London in recent years now appears to be going into reverse, with the Mayor of London's draft budgets implying a cut of 455 police officers over his term in office? And will he do what he can to protect, in particular, our much-valued safer neighbourhood police teams? Mr Speaker, under under a Labour government, there have been an increase of 6,000 police in the Metropolitan Police Service since 1997, and we are also proud that there are 4,500 police community support officers available. But I have to say, for the Conservative Party to publish a document on law and order which doesn't mention police numbers, doesn't mention prison places, doesn't mention CCTV and doesn't mention DNA, they are the first opposition party to run out of ideas even before they face an election. Thank you, uh, Mr Speaker. Does the Prime Minister regret his predecessor, Mr Blair's, inability before the Chilcot inquiry to express any sympathy or regret for the awful loss of life in Iraq? Mr Speaker, I I, I know that the uh, uh, former Prime Minister wrote to people at the time and expressed uh, his uh, condolences and his sympathies for every family. I know also that on many occasions he's expressed his Uh, sadness at the losses that took place in Iraq. And I do say to the whole House, I think we have been united at every point in mourning the losses of our troops and also mourning the loss of civilian life in Iraq. Mr Gordon Prentice. Uh, Has my friend visited gordonprenticemp.com today (laughs) to to see how the next election in my... Pendle constituency is being bought by a tax exile. Doesn't he agree with me that he needs me here and that Pendle is not for sale? The Conservative Party cannot talk about new politics or transparency unless they answer the central question the tax status of their chief fundraiser, Lord Ashcroft. And the Information Commissioner has already said they have been evasive and obfuscatory. That's the Conservative Party about the Ashcroft scandal. They have questions they have to answer. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The Prime Minister and his noble friend, uh, the Secretary of State uh, for Business, Innovation and Skills, are right to believe that a central plank uh, to building a sustainable and prosperous economy is investing in science and research. Yet across the UK are reporting of cuts in, uh, in budgets for research. And I'm thinking particularly today of the Institute of Biological, Environmental and Rural Sciences in Aberystwyth, which is facing cuts of 2.5 million and 70 job losses. Uh, will the Prime Minister, if he has any influence, influence with his noble friend, intervene to maintain investment in science? Prime Minister, I hope he will acknowledge that we have doubled the science budget over these last few years, done more for British science than at any time since the Second World War, 
and we have now an innovation fund that has been set up to benefit scientists as they develop their in innovations and put them into the marketplace. Uh, I, I, I know that Lord Drayson, the Science Minister, has announced today the thousands of jobs that can be created in new scientific industries as a result of our investments, and I believe that universities and science researchers recognise that we've doubled research activity in universities over these last few years. Barry Gardner. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Does the Prime Minister agree that the arrest of General Fonseca in Sri Lanka is yet another indication that the regime of uh, President Rajapaksa is sliding into dictatorship. Absolutely. As my honourable friend uh, knows, a decision was made at the Commonwealth Summit that Sri Lanka would not host the next uh, Commonwealth uh, Summit. And we are aware of the human rights issues that arise in, in Sri Lanka uh, since uh, the fighting that has taken place uh, with the Tamils. We urge the government at this stage to recognise the human rights of all those people who are Tamil citizens in Sri Lanka, and we also urge them to move forward with the reconstruction of their country so that those people who have been excluded both from power and from the chances of a livelihood should benefit now. Mr Phil Willis. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Uh, the Prime Minister will know that for every five minutes in the UK, somebody will have a stroke. It will have a devastating effect on their lives and their families' lives. In Harrogate, the Stroke Association has set up a carer's uh, resource to support families in their own home. And yet Conservative-controlled North Yorkshire County Council has slashed the £35,000 budget preferring to spend 140000 on self-congratulatory newsletters. What is the And then the answer. Finish the question, please. What is the Prime Minister doing to ensure that the National Stroke Strategy is carried out everywhere, but particularly in North Yorkshire? Mr. Speaker, I think he's saying they've got nothing to congratulate themselves about. And I have to say that it is this government that has published the Stroke Strategy. It is also this government that wants to introduce. A, a health test so that people can a be able to get a health checkup. We believe that would remove the possibility of hundreds of deaths as a result of strokes or heart disease, and we'll be introducing that during the next Parliament. And it's again a right. It's again a right. Mr. Speaker, they laugh all the time we talk about measures that are trying to improve the health of the people in this country. If they were really interested in the health service, they would support the new health service guarantees. But because they are not, they cannot bring themselves to support guarantees that every citizen of this country could get for a health checkup where previously they would have to pay. Mr. Gwyn Prosser. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. The port of Dover is the busiest ferry port in the world. I've sailed out of it for 12 years and represented it for the last 13 years. What can the Prime Minister say today to dispel the fabrications and the fables being spun by the carpetbagging Conservative candidate? The carpetbagging Conservative candidate who's, who, who says that the government is hell bent on selling the port of Dover to the highest bidder, and the highest bidder might be French. Order, order, can I just gently say, I was trying to hear, there was a lot of noise, but as far as I'm aware, the Prime Minister has no responsibility for the stance taken by Conservative candidates. Nor does David Cameron. A brief sentence. Goodness, Mr Speaker. It's the honourable, it's the honourable gentleman. It's the honourable gentleman. It's the honourable gentleman, the member for Dover, who has been a great champion for Dover and its people. And I know he wants the best for the people of Dover, including a flourishing port. I share that aspiration. 
There will be no forced privatisation under Labour. We will look for new ways of getting in new investment into the port. Mr. John Redwood. Why uniquely amongst the advanced economies is the UK inflation rate well above target and rising very sharply when our output is so, so very flat? If we took the advice of the honourable member opposite, there would be massive, massive cuts in public expenditure. Massive cuts. He's, he's the one that says uh, that there should be even more cuts than are being proposed by the leader of the opposition, and we would lose jobs, lose businesses. Our economy would go deep into recession again, and that is not a policy that the people of this country want. The Conservatives have dozens of policies on this. His is the, the most extreme, but we will follow none of their advice. Mr. Chris Mullin. Would my uh, right honourable friend confirm that it remains his intention, uh, in the event that this government is re-elected, to restore the, to restore the link uh, between old age pensions yeah. and, and earnings that was abandoned in the early 1980s? Mr Speaker, it was part of the Turner Report's recommendations to reform the pension system of our country. I say it was originally accepted on an all-party basis by all parties in this House, and we will wish to go ahead with our proposals. Mr Andrew Roberson. Yeah. Mr Speaker, at column, yeah. 202, at column 202 last Wednesday, the Prime Minister said that he had no knowledge of a £50,000 slush fund for his leadership campaign, yeah. and, it, that, and that was why it was not registered in the members' interests. He's had a week to reflect. Has anything jogged his memory, and would he like to correct the record? Yeah, Mr. Speaker, all donations given to the Labour Party are reported by the Labour Party, not by me. Stewart. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Further to the question of the member for Harwich and the head of the European Council, could the Prime Minister confirm that any negotiations involving a bailout for the Greek economy will be completely confined to Eurozone countries and have no impact on the UK? Mr. Speaker, I've already, I've already said that uh, there is international support available for countries as set up by the G20 summit in London in April. That is support that is able to be drawn on at an international level. If the euro area wishes to move ahead with a pro proposal, that is for the euro area. Annette Brooke. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Recent research has shown that over 70% of blind and partially sighted people are unable to access vital personal health education. Health information. Would he agree to meet me and the delegation from the RNIB so that we can address provisions could, that could address this shameful inadequacy? Yeah. Mr. Speaker, um, GPs are already required under relevant um, uh, legislation uh, to make reasonable adjustments to the written information for patients with a visual impairment. The Equality Bill also contains uh, uh, legislation that would uh, avoid the discrimination against those people with uh, low, lesser sight in that way. And anybody with a visual impairment should also be aware that the General Counsel has given, Medical Council has given guidance that doctors must make sure that our arrangements are made to meet patients' language and communication needs. So we will do everything in our power to improve the services to those with visual impairments, and I'll be very happy to meet any delegation she brings to me.